It's part five, so we're looking at the camp elements of the film. Camp as Dr. Christmas Jones. One of the first things we hear on the soundtrack of No Time to Die is a song called Dans la Vie Endormie, performed by gay icon Dalida in 1968. The lyrics of this song and the tragically shortened life of the artist herself who's singing them arguably foreshadow Bond's death. This was explored in full on the License to Queer website in a brilliant article written prior to the release of the film by a writer called Lane Bonertz, which I urge everybody to check out. Also, check out the music of Dalida, who I am now slightly addicted to. Matera is picture postcard perfection. Nowhere looks that beautiful in real life. In fact, the filmmaker scooped up all the unsightly plastic chairs outside cafes to make sure of this, according to the making of book. It is, in the words of camp expert Susan Sontag, simply too much, and therefore splendidly camp. The Proustian quality of the film is reflected in the main title sequence. Beginning with the pop art dots from the opening of Dr. No, it doesn't take long for faces from the past to return. Bond's representation as a fractured porcelain figure recalls the bulldog that survived the explosion of M's office in Skyfall. The Royal Dalton original is glimpsed briefly, peeking out of a box in Bond's carriage. The Statue of Britannia, explored in part two of this podcast, is explicitly identified with Bond, with the blood on her face in the same place Safin will scratch Bond in the film. It also self-referentially mirrors the destruction of communist statues and symbols in GoldenEye's title sequence, the first set of titles to be designed by Daniel Kleinman. Postmodern, iconoclastic, whatever else we might call it, it's camp. Billie Eilish's title song might resonate with queer audiences who have been sadly rejected by those family and or friends who they thought might be allies but found they were not supportive when they came out. The lyric, you were never on my side, now you'll never see me cry. Eilish herself has been accused of queer baiting for her video to her song Lost Cause, which featured her kissing a girl in a vaguely sapphic slumber party. To her credit, Eilish herself has refused to be pinned down to a particular sexual orientation, arguing that it's nobody's business. My personal favourite cover of the song is performed by non-binary pansexual artist Plexiglas. Those keeping track of the floral motif that runs through this film might make something of the species of plant Madeline keeps in her office. It's a foxglove, an extract of which was used in Casino Royale to poison Bond's martini. It might be a coincidence. Or it might be a fourth wall breaking wink for those who are really paying attention. Bond is his typical flirty self in No Time to Die with people of all genders. Craig even taps Obrachev on the bum as he gets into the seaplane. Obrachev is passed around from person to person. Where is he? Plomer asks as they try to extricate him from Cuba. Bond likens their situation to a relationship 
with the new 007 having snatched him away. He left me, but somebody else. Who loves short shorts? Bond does. In all seriousness, well, semi-seriousness, what better attire can there be for spending a leisurely day on your boat catching red snappers? Just remember to put your tackle away when you're finished, James. The Spectre Party looks like an absolute hoot. There's definitely a queer frisson to the whole affair, with some of the party goes engaged in what looks like furry fun, and others getting into some good old-fashioned S&M. Fleming would have loved it. Safin's surname translates from French as his end, Safin. Appropriate for the man who causes Bond's demise, or just a little too on the nose? Blofeld's eyeball unlocked. The line of expositional dialogue heard as Q tinkers with the captured ocular device is camp at its purest. As is Bond's bizarre approach to interrogating Blofeld. That whole sequence would have earned the admiration of Susan Sontag, culminating as it does in Bond's soap opera-ish bellow of Die, Blofeld, die. Pure camp. Pure gold. Queer icons come in many forms. More than 50 years after her turbulent life came to a tragically early end, Judy Garland still sets the template for many, embodying a spirit that remains unyielding in the face of life's slings and arrows. Could we come to love an inanimate object in the same way? I speak, of course, of Doodoo, who stands by Bond, or rather remains tucked tightly in his braces, as they are both blown to smithereens. If the entirely imaginary Babadook can become a queer icon, why not a stuffed toy rabbit? Actually, I'm not even sure it's supposed to be a rabbit. Perchance a mythological creature? If truth be told, I don't really hold any strong views about what happens with Bond 26. But I do know Doodoo needs a spin-off movie of its, his, her, their own. We've arrived at nearly the end of the queer review of No Time to Die, so all that's left is to come up with the queer verdict. Out of a possible 007, how queer is No Time to Die? I'm going to go with a 005, significantly above average for a Bond film. If the success of the mission depends on us breaking free from the bondage of the past, then so be it. More iconoclastic than reverential, No Time to Die triumphs as a landmark of queer cinema because it doesn't relent at opening up possibilities for the audience. Craig gave us a version of Bond who was always looking over his shoulder, literally, figuratively, sometimes involuntarily. In No Time to Die, he also gave us a role model, someone who was afeard of change but went and did it anyway. It's all right, queers. It's all all right. Thank you for listening to the queer review of No Time to Die. As long as this queer review has been, 
we've really only scratched the surface of a lot of these topics. So in the website version of this, I have made a list at the end of articles on License to Queer, which expand on the issues raised considerably. Uh, articles written both by me and by other contributors. There's also a full list of references, which I'm not going to read out on a podcast because that would be deathly boring. And there are also some special thanks to some individuals who really helped shape my thinking and signposted me to particular aspects that I may not have otherwise considered. So please check those out as well. Until the next time.